Well, I don't think it would be very controversial for me to say uh, to you that this world needs more peace. I mean, you can say that in the church. We could say that uh, maybe not in the mall. That might be odd. But you could say that at work. You could say that in conversation with your friends. And you're probably not going to get much disagreement that this world needs more peace. And we do. You know, we think about work. Work is challenging. Work is hard. Some of us, we want more work and we don't have it. And others of us, we have work. And when we do it well, it either leaves us a little short, we're not satisfied, or we begin to worship our work because it's what defines us. It's what gives us value. And in a world like that, work can be a real area where we don't have peace. In our own relationships, even with people we really love, uh, it's hard to have peace. Sin creeps in, selfishness, pride, and we feel isolated. Uh, We feel um, estranged at times. It's hard to have peace. Um, Even with God, even as Christians, we say sometimes, gosh, I just don't feel any peace. And the world is no different now than it was when Jesus said to his disciples, blessed are the peacemakers. And he says to us as well, blessed are the peacemakers. I don't know what you think about a peacemaker. I don't know when you hear the word peacemaker, what do you think? Uh, For me, um, I actually think of a Colt 45. (laughs) Not not the the bottle. But that could be a peacemaker. Uh, No, I think of Colt 45, the pistol. The gun that tamed the West, the great equalizer, the one that it didn't matter how big you were, if you were a man or a woman, if you had skill, you could impose your will on a situation, you, should cre- you could create your own peace. Or maybe I think of Jack Bauer, since he's back on TV now. Uh, not as exciting as it was the first time around, but, um, but still, you know, he is uh, dropping one bad guy after the next on his way to world peace. And... I know it's a little funny, but when you think about it, we really, there's no one here that wouldn't like to be able to achieve peace on their own and wouldn't like to define peace the way they want it to be defined. I want to be responsible for my peace. I want to make the peace that I want. But when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, the peace that he talks about is not a peace of our own making first. First, it is a piece of dependence, dependence on Jesus, the one who brings us peace. And that's what um, Luke says in Luke 1, verse 79, that Jesus came to give light to those who are sitting in darkness. To those who are in the shadow of death, he came to lead them in the pathway of peace. And if there's anything that we need today, if there's anything that our world needs today more than peace, I can't think of what it is. And that's really where each of us finds ourselves today. That's where our world finds itself, sitting in the darkness, sitting in the shadow of death, needing a guide to lead them in the way of peace. Um, You know, when, when Luke says that Jesus came to be the guide to the pathway of peace, he's not talking about a kind of a guide that um, would say, okay, um, go straight to the next street. When you get there at the stoplight, turn right. Go two blocks, and you'll find what you're looking for 
on the left. That's not the kind of guide he's thinking. When you think of the kind of guide that he's talking about, you need to think about um, like a firefighter who bursts into a house that's in flames and you're trapped in the top of the house and you can't get out. There is no hope for you unless someone breaks into your situation and rescues you and guides you out in the way of peace. And that's what Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And all of us find ourselves as humans who are apart from Christ, we find ourselves in that very desperate situation. Now, there was a time when this wasn't the case. There was a time that the scriptures tell us at the very beginning where people actually dwelt and lived in perfect peace. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 tells us that. It says that God made this perfect place. They call it Eden, a garden. And in that perfect place, he put a man and a woman, and they had a perfect relationship together. No sin, no jealousy, no misunderstanding, perfect relationship. And not only that, they were able to uh, work fruitfully in this place. They were, what they did worked out. It turned out. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my aunt and uncle needed a fence. And um, they have a privacy fence, and they only needed part of it torn down. I'm not very handy, uh, but I can tear stuff down. So I tore it down, and then they let me help, me help them put it up. And as I was going day by day, you know, it was hot and there was mosquitoes, but I was looking forward so much. It's kind of weird to getting home, going out back and putting up a fence. I don't know. Can anybody relate to that? (laughs) Why? Why did I like that so much? What was going on there? Well, I mean, here was a job that I could do. And I was going to do it and it's going to, and it basically turned out well. And it was satisfying. At the end of the job, I looked at it and I was like, We did that. We created that. We made that. Look at that. Look at what we did. That was just a privacy fence, but you know, you got to take your victories where you can. Look at that. And there's a thing, some things about work today that we know that that just, we run the risk of as hard as we work, there are times when it is just not fruitful. And it doesn't turn out the way we want it to. We need peace. But that's exactly what Jesus came to bring us was peace. He came to put to right what, was, what is now wrong. Because if we look around the world as now, we know that things are not the way they were at the first chapter, in the first chapters of Genesis. We look around and we know that um, we don't have perfect peace, that work is often frustrating, that relationships are often strained, and that we feel isolated from God. I mean, in the words of the great philosopher Sting, which some of you have heard of, you know, it would, many people would say, you could say, I've lost my faith in religion. You could say, I've lost my sense of progress. You could say that I've lost my belief in the church. You could say, I, I've disoriented. You could say all of that, and you could say worse, and it would be true. And the truth is, we need someone to lead us into the way of peace, and that's why Jesus came. So when Jesus says to us, blessed are the peacemakers, we've got to hear first, that we need the peace that can only come from God. We need the peace that comes from the perfect son of God who lived the life uh, of, of obedience to God that we should have lived. Always loving his father, never disobeying. That always loved his neighbor as himself. We need him who died in our place, took the penalty that we deserved so that we could be reconciled to God. And that's what he came to do to guide us in the way of peace. So peacemaking, first of all, is dependent. There is no peacemaking by a follower of Christ unless they have first received peace from Christ.
Secondly, peacemaking is holistic. I think um, many times when we think of peace, I kind of think of like um, sitting on a hillside, um, you know, listening to music that's calm and peaceful, which I've actually done. And it is peaceful. We might think, I think um, some moms and dads think of the 20 minutes that in the morning before everyone else wakes up <laughs> where you kind of have a little peace. Or maybe it's the 30 minutes at night after everyone else is in bed. But reality is that peace that Jesus is talking about, that peace is holistic. It encompasses every area of our life. And that's the peace that we need. It's the peace to work but not worship our work. It's the peace to love our husbands and love our wives sacrificially and selflessly. It's the peace to know God and to trust God implicitly as we go. That is the peace we need. It's a holistic peace. All that was broken by Adam and Eve's rebellion in the garden, Jesus came to set right. It's a holistic peace. And we see that when we look at Colossians 15, uh, 1, 15 through 20. So I'm going to read that for us. Listen to this and ask yourself, what area isn't covered by this? To what area did Jesus not come to make right? Listen to this. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And he and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile. That means to put right, to make right, all things. To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. How? By his blood of the cross. Is, is there any area in life that Jesus didn't come to bring peace? You know, there's a, a philosopher, not philosopher, theologian, sometimes they're similar, Kuiper, Abraham Kuiper. And what did he say? There is no square inch of all of creation to which the sovereign creator, Lord Jesus, does not say, this is mine. When Jesus came to our earth, he did not come simply to bring peace so that, that we could have restoration only with God. He came to bring total, total peace peace over every area of our lives and we need it the biblical idea of peace is a flourishing in all areas of our life so as we seek to make peace first we're reconciled to god and then we live out that peace in every area of our life at work at home in our recreation all areas jesus calls us to live out the peace that he has brought so now let me ask the question how can we make peace how can we make peace? Because um, the reality is we live in a, in a tough situation sometimes. How do we bring the peace of God to these situations? I just want to give you three suggestions, three tips that I think uh, are helpful. The first one is we've got to recall the story. We've, we've already been talking about it a little bit. We've talked about the first part of the biblical story. What's that? That God made a perfect place and put people in it, but we messed it up. And that he didn't give up on us. Instead, he came to redeem and rescue us in Jesus. So we've talked about that, but we've got to understand when we recall the story, we have to think about where are we in that story? Because Jesus at the cross 
achieved the peace that we have not yet fully realized. It's already been won, but we don't yet fully experience it. We don't yet fully experience peace in our jobs, fully experience peace in our relationships, and we still at times feel distance from God. Jesus came, though, and he has done everything necessary to achieve that peace, but we haven't yet realized it. Why not? Well, the scriptures tell us he's gone back to be with the Father, but there's a day coming when he will return and everything that is wrong he'll put to right. Everything that's sad will become untrue. No more suffering. No more peace. No more sorrow. So, if we're going to bring peace to the world and we're going to live out this peace that we have with God, we've got to remember the story. We've got to remember where we are. Why? Because things are going to get difficult. Things will be hard. And when they are, we will take great hope and comfort Then we look forward to the time when we know, no matter what happens, I know one day this type of suffering will be over. God is going to make everything right. So we've got to remember that we live in between Jesus' resurrection and the promise of his return. The next thing we need to do is we've got to, if we're going to, to live out this peace, we've got to just honestly admit that things sometimes are difficult. I think sometimes as Christians, we feel like we can't say that things are hard. We can't admit that we have a problem. We can't admit that things are challenging. But there is great scriptural authorization for us to come to God and to our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, this is hard. Things are not going the way that I want them to. You know, as I was thinking about this, uh, we went to my niece's graduation last weekend, uh, graduation from high school. And I was thinking about high school, and there was a lot of good stuff, but there was also some hard stuff. And so I could maybe even speak to you students, and I could say that you're going to have an opportunity to make peace. Because you're going to be in a situation where uh, someone's going to make fun of someone that you know. Maybe it's one of your friends that's going to make fun of someone else. And you have an opportunity to, to reach out and say, hey, let's not do that. And invite this other person in. But you know what? That's going to be challenging. And that's going to be difficult. And when it is, you're going to need to be able to come to someone and say, first of all, come to God and say, Father, this is hard. I feel on the outside. And really, that applies to all of us. We know what it's like to be in a workplace where someone is talking about another coworker behind their back. We know the difficulty of do I say something or not? Do I stand up for the person or not? And how do you even love this person who's cutting the other person down? It's hard. We need to be able to admit the difficulty. First to God, cry out to him. God, this is hard. Help. But not just to God, but also to our friends. Because guess what? Peacemaking is not an individual effort. It's a team sport. Okay? It's a team sport. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, it's plural. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. Is he talking to you and to me? Yes. Is he talking to us? Absolutely. We need to be able to come to one another and say, this is hard. I need help. And we know that when we do that, first of all, God will meet us. And that's what Jesus teaches us in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray to God, don't, you don't have to say a lot of words. You don't have to use special words to think that maybe if you do it in the right way, he'll hear you and he'll listen. Because he already knows what you need and he loves you. So when you pray, just talk to him simply and let him know what's going on. And so in the same way, when we're in difficulty, we come to God and we say, this is hard, help. And we can have confidence that he will hear us. 
But we can also come to our friends and say, this is hard. Help. And God calls us to bring peace to that situation. I think um, there's a great example of that in the scripture. If you want to think of one apostle who was the apostle of peace or reconciliation, I think of the apostle Paul. He was entrusted with taking the ministry and the message of reconciliation to the entire non-Jewish world. Okay? Do you think Paul ever had a hard time? Did he ever have to reach out to a friend? Did he ever cry out to God and say, this is hard? Absolutely he did. Look at, well, you don't have to look, but I'm going to turn to the letter of 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, he says this. He says to his friend Timothy, one that he loved, so come to me soon. Come see me. Because Demas, another co-worker, he's deserted me and he's left. Easy or hard? Difficult or not difficult? Difficult. I'm in difficulty. Timothy, come to see me. And guess what? Alexander the coppersmith, he did me great harm. And when I see Paul's in prison right now, and he says, at my first offense, no one even came to help me. I was all alone. See, we're authorized by God in his scripture to cry out to him and say it's hard and to cry out to our brothers and sisters and say, I need help. So if we're going to make peace in this world, if we're going to live out the peace that Jesus gives us, we've got to know where we are in the story. And we've got to be able to admit that things are different, difficult. And lastly, if we're going to make peace in this world, we have got to learn to live out love. Love for God first and love for our neighbor. Uh, you could ask the Apostle Paul again, Paul, why is it that you're doing what you're doing? What is the motivation that will carry you along? Where does the power come from to love in all these difficult situations? I mean, how is it you could face shipwreck, Paul? How is it you could face abandonment? How is it you could face the loss of your status in your community uh, and go to people that you really didn't, at least at that moment, like or love? How could that be? And Paul would say to you, well, it's the love of Christ that compels me. It's the love of Christ that compels me. I'm convinced that Christ died. He says Christ died for all. Christ died for me. And because of that, I'm convinced that I must live for him. So if we're going to live out this peace in our world first, we're going to have to love God. That's the only motive that can sustain a life of living peace with other people. That's the only motive. And second of all, we'll have to learn to love people. We can't bring peace if we don't love people. And loving people, what does that look like? It really looks like paying attention to their circumstances, to understanding what's going on in their life. Where are they struggling? What is difficult? As we follow God, loving him, and loving others, we will be able to live out the peace that God calls us to and the peace that he's given to us in Christ. So in closing, what is peacemaking? Peacemaking is a dependent and holistic, all-encompassing pursuit of the flourishing that God gives us in Jesus. And how can we do that? Well, only first if we will admit or we'll remember the story, remember where we are so that we'll have the right hope. And second of all, if we can admit our difficulties 
And then thirdly, only if by God's grace we would love God and love others as ourselves. And as we do that, we will see God's peace expanding in our family and in our community and even in our world. Let's pray.